Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000. Digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs like yourself to start, launch, and grow their businesses. Today, our featured guest is courageous entrepreneur, Jesse Cole. Now, Jesse Cole is no ordinary entrepreneur. Let me just be clear about that. And I think you're going to see and hear it in who he is today on this show. Now, Jesse's the owner of this, this company called the Savannah Bananas. Now, don't judge him because of the funny name, right? He also wears a funny tuxedo. But there's, a, there's a, a marketing genius behind it, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, he's also the owner of the Gastonia Grizzlies. So I love these names. These are hilarious to me. Uh, he's the host of Business Done Differently, uh, his own podcast show. And he's the author, and he's an author and speaker nationwide, and I believe international as well. Um, now, one of his books is coming out on January 9th, and we're going to talk about that. It's called Finding Your Yellow tux like tuxedo so jesse's going to talk about that with us jesse welcome to the show go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro would you ah, excited to be here yeah it's been a long journey um, in the baseball business but not really in the baseball business and i always say you know what business are you in well what business are you really in and i am in the entertainment business and i learned that when i started in gastonia back 10 years ago and realized that the team was the most you know, unsuccessful team in the country, literally no one coming to the games, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars, no money in the bank account. And we realized we had to change our business model, make it about entertainment. So over the last decade, we've really learned whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that's what we've created with our sports teams. And now that's what I'm kind of sharing out on the road with people about how to find your yellow tux and be successful by standing out. And I own six of these yellow tuxedos. It's actually who I am. I'm crazy. I'm animated. I'm over the top. Um, but uh, as everyone knows, this is me. And uh, my wife thinks it's crazy. She's like, I don't even know what you look like without wearing the yellow tuxedo. So that, that's what's going on now. But uh, glad to be on the show and have some fun with you today. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was on your Facebook page a few minutes ago and I, and I saw one picture of you without the tux and you look like this ordinary, normal guy. And I was like, wait, is that him? Right? <laughs> Uh, because you're always in this yellow tuxedo. And, and my first question was, man, this guy must have an expensive dry cleaning bill right? <laughs> for that. So I, I think it's fantastic that you really created a brand persona. Uh, you're living into it. And I'm sure we're going to get into that conversation today. So before we get into it, take a minute right now and share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you. Ooh, very few people in my business life. Well, I think what many people don't know is that I've been an only child. Uh, I was an only child. My parents got divorced. My mother had a drug problem. Uh, my father did everything to raise me, but worked all day, would come home, take me to the baseball field. And that really impacted me in such a way that even as an only child, I was fighting for attention as a kid kid and literally doing whatever I could to make my dad proud and show him that I could get straight A's or that I could do well on the baseball field or whatever I did. And even today, you know, someone that's, you know, running, you know, multi-million dollar companies, I'm still focused on trying to make my dad proud and create attention. And now it's more focused on others and inspiring other people. But many people don't know the root of why I am the way I am. And I think it goes back to my upbringing and again, trying to create attention and make my dad proud. And that, that's kind of where I am today. 
I think it's really fantastic that you've identified the core driver behind your success. And you took something that was painful, right? That many people could say, man, that kid had trauma. He had a tough upbringing. And the old expression, you took lemons and turned it into lemonade, right? And, and you used it to catapult yourself into multi-million dollar successes multiple times. So well done. Well done on that. Um, okay, let's get down to business. Our audience loves to know how much revenue approximately did you do in the past 12 months with your businesses? <laughs> oh, you're diving right in. Um, let's put it, can I put it in perspective first? Let's, let's put it in perspective. Sure. All right. Um, a, a big thing with sports teams, there is, so we're a baseball team, college summer baseball. There is major league baseball, triple A, double A, single A, independent ball, top level college ball. And then there's us down here. All right. For college summer baseball. And the average college summer baseball team has one employee, maybe two, and they're volunteer based and do about $200,000 in revenue total for entire year. Um, We've been fortunate through struggles. And when I first came to Gastonia, the team was losing $100,000 a year and 10 years ago. Um, now we're very fortunate. We've sold out every single game in Savannah, 32 straight games we've sold out. Um, been fortunate to be featured nationally by MSNBC. And, you know, we are a multi-multi-million dollar brand. Not billion, multi-multi-million dollar brand uh, with both of our teams. So it's been very exciting to see that growth going from a few full-time now to 20 year-round full-time employees and over 200 part-time employees. Now that's no small task. And thank you for making us present to what to that actual reality, right? I didn't know that you guys are at the bottom of the barrel as far as like in the industry, right? <laughs> and you had to take something like is the crust at the bottom of the barrel and turn it into gold, right? <laughs> and, and that, we're going to talk about that. So um, you've done millions of dollars, okay, in revenue currently. Um, what are you on track for in the next 12 months? What's that, that number? We'll be, we'll, we, should be, we should be between four and $5 million in revenue. Fantastic. Congratulations. Really well done, brother. <laughs> Thank you. But again, going back two years ago, there was zero revenue and I was sleeping on an airbed. So it's, you know, it's, I think people look at money in a different way and they say, oh, you know, multi-million dollars, you guys are doing so well. You're so rich. You know, people don't know that my wife and I went from zero debt three years ago to $1.8 million in debt. And we had to empty out our savings account and start. So, you know, profits is word that most people don't like talking about. It's uncomfortable because people think you have something. And the reality is you got to understand how you got there. And we're still fighting every day and we're still trying to give back more to our employees than what we take in return. So, you know, I get uncomfortable talking about that because I know the perception of that is much different than really what's happened to get us there. I get that. So today for the next 20, 30 minutes, I'm going <laughs> to ask you to get uncomfortable. Okay? And that's why you're on the show. Cause we're going to be, how you grow. That, that's it. Okay. So first, you know, I love asking this question, Jesse, why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are currently struggling to make their first 100K, even though they're pretending they're doing better than they are. And I talk about it directly in the book. They don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, and they don't have clear expectations and goals. And more than anything, they don't know how to create attention. They don't know what makes them different. Find your yellow tux to me is finding that one thing that makes you stand out, what you can be the best at. Most people are trying to compete against everyone else on what they can do a little bit better. They're competing on having the best sale or a little better product. You know what's, you know what's better? Only is better. 
Everyone tries to be a little bit different, all right? And that makes them better. You need to be the only. And what we've been able to create with our baseball teams, and I'm starting to create with my own brand, is that we're looking at baseball as it is. Baseball is long, slow, and boring. The numbers are proving it. Right now, it's the reality. I'm a baseball owner in a yellow tuxedo that actually played college baseball. I'm one of the few owners that played baseball all the way through. I had a chance to play pro ball, tore my shoulder. But I realized that then that there's a difference between playing baseball and watching baseball. And when the average age of a baseball fan is almost 60 years old and Little League participation is declining rapidly, there's a problem with the game. I say this all the time. You know, we have a hot dog stand and we are amazing at the condiments. Our condiments are the, the Banana Nana's dancing senior citizen dance team, our players dancing, people getting pied in the crowd, singers. We have unbelievable condiments, but the hot dog still needs work. And that's the game of baseball. So we have a big job that we need to actually make the game of baseball better. So what we've been able to realize is what business we're in. And that is 100% the entertainment business. So to figure out that first 100K, we had to realize why we were doing what we were doing, what makes us different, and then be relentless in our pursuit to show that and create attention. If we didn't create attention when we first started, our business would have failed. And it almost did fail because everyone assumed we were like everyone else we had to create unbelievable attention. That's why I say all the time, attention beats marketing 1000% of the time. It always wins. You create attention, then you get them in the funnel and you can start like that. So if you're an entrepreneur trying to build your first 100K, what makes you different? How are you gonna create attention? If you just do the same marketing as everyone else, the normal, you're gonna get normal results, if, if you're lucky. Man, all right, so you got right into that. That was awesome, right? So Startup Nation, listen to what Jason is saying right now. Listen to the wisdom behind this. Attention beats marketing every day of the week. If you're marketing a commodity, if you're blending in with everyone else, if you are vanilla, it's not going to work. It's not working for you. This is why you're struggling. Jesse is dropping it on you right now. You may not want to hear it, but man, it is real. You need to create your own flavor. Right, Jesse? Create your own flavor. I love it. Stop competing. See, everyone thinks they're competing. They're you're competing against the same things. You don't compete if you're the only. Right now, yes, we're competing against Amazon and Netflix and all these other great, great experiences. But we're the only entertainment sports team that's doing what we're doing. I mean, we have a 30-piece banana pep band that literally greets fans as they come into the ballpark. You don't go to a baseball game and see a pep band. You know, you don't see a breakdancing first base coach doing the moonwalk while he's giving signs to our players in the middle of the game. You don't see that. So we've built our whole DNA of our business about being the only, about being so different and creating so much attention. That's what's sustainable in a business, not trying to just play the same rules as everyone else. That's what we've been able to learn. And it took a long road to learn that. I mean, literally the first six months, when we didn't understand that. We almost went out of business and we had to go all in until we were able to create that attention. I love what you're saying right now. And again, Startup Nation, right? I'm, I'm going to go back to this ice cream analogy because it, it's, man, Jesse, you're landing this, the plane so well here. It's like create your own flavor. Like, listen, if you are rainbow sherbet, I love rainbow sherbet. Right? <laughs> rainbow sherbet flavor does not compete with chocolate ever, right? So what happens? Well, certain part of the market, when you're craving rainbow sherbet, you're not, you're not looking at chocolate ever you go and find rainbow sherbet and you dom rainbow sherbet sherbet dominates that market at that time 
hundred percent. Chocolate has its own space, right? They don't compete. They don't intersect. And, and you want to do the same thing with your business. So Jesse's doing it. Everyone else, right? You show up to a game. It's the boring, slow game or whatever. And that's it. That's what you're paying for. That's what you're getting. With Jesse, you go to their game and you're paying for a live entertainment show. It's a circus. It's a circus. It's, a circus. it's literally a circus in the stands and a baseball game watching the baseball game. Exactly. And I think you need to look at that every aspect of your business. It's not just the main core. To give you an example, every sports team, what are they selling? T-shirts, hats. What are we selling? This fall, we came up with Dolce and Banana underwear. Literally, we came up with tidy whities and we put a giant banana on the crotch for one underwear called the big banana. And then we had another underwear where we put a tiny banana and we called it the small banana underwear. Believe me, the Dolce and Banana, the big banana outsold the small underwear like crazy. But we sold hundreds of these pairs of underwear because it's so different. We created a video like the Dolce and Gabbana commercial with a, a model literally wearing the underwear around the field and pouring water over his head to Italian music. All right. We're playing a different game, and I think it's still a challenge. You've got to build that in your culture. But every business, when you're starting up, what game are you playing? The same one as everyone else, or are you playing your own game? That's how you win. Okay, so I'm hearing what you're saying, right? Because it's not just about creating a unique um, identity, your own flavor. It's more than that. It's now you have to go and create the attention around it. And this is where I think many of my audience gets held up, Jesse, right? Gets stopped is – they're in industries where they're like, well, I'm an attorney, right? And I can't do irreverent, playful, funny type of billboards. I can't put myself posed up there, you know? Why not? Because they're like, well, I'm in a highly regulated industry. What do you say to them? You know, I, I would say a few years ago, all right, it's a challenge, but now I've seen it. I've seen home builders, like a home builder, turn in the best experience ever and literally have parties and ribbon cuttings and red carpets and literally build the best dinner experience while the house is even built. They bring people into the framed house and have their favorite meal with music playing and roses. You can create that amazing experience that makes you different, whatever you're in. A lawyer, one of my best friends is a lawyer. And we've talked about this over and over again. And I said, here's the starting point. For every entrepreneur, and in the book, I call this the mirror moment. It's what frustrates you about your business. What is something that really upsets you about the industry? When you realize that, that's how you become innovative. I, I learned and realized that in Gastonia, after the team had been there for seven years, no one cared. No one was coming to the games. They had only 200 fans. So what frustrated them? The game of baseball. It was too slow, long, and boring. So if you're looking at a law firm, what frustrates you about a law firm? I could give numerous examples, but I mean, I actually wrote this. I wrote a blog saying, you know, what a, a law firm, you think about it, you get billed by the hour, like by the minute from them. All right. It's a bad experience. You actually, they don't give away things for free very much. They'll do pro bono work, but why isn't a lawyer actually on social media, just giving advice for free, sharing a good experience? How can you build that relationship where it's not so over the top professional? Think about what that perfect experience is for your customer. And I'll tell you, if you start there, realize what frustrates people about lawyers, and then think about that perfect experience, you can create attention by just doing that, even in a regulated business. Got it. So Startup Nation, listen to what Jesse's saying. What is it in your industry that frustrates your customers? Mm -hmm. What is missing? And then what is the ideal that they're looking for? Mm -hmm. Fill in the gap. That's where the gold the, the jackpot lies, right? So Jesse, I'm going to transition us a little bit here. We all love to listen to millionaires and billionaires, right? And get their, their sage wisdom and everything like that. But we struggle to relate to them because we're, we're down here. 
right? We're down here struggling for the first 100K. They're doing millions and billions. So I'd like you to take us back to when you were struggling to make your first 100K two years ago, only two years ago. Take us back there, paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story. All right, you'll get, you'll get the whole story. Here we go. So it's October 5th, 2015. We just bought an expansion franchise. My wife and I went in more debt because we bought the Gastonia franchise the year before. And we came down to Savannah, Georgia. And there was minor league baseball there for 90 years, professional baseball. And literally the former team, they weren't drawing enough attendance. Fans weren't coming to the games that they wanted a brand new $38 million stadium. And the city wouldn't build it. So because they didn't build it, what did they do? They said, we're not, it's not working here at this old stadium. We're leaving. They hit the road. So we come in here as this college summer baseball team. We show up on October 5th. It's my wife and I, our president, and three other staff members. There were six of us total. We get to the ballpark, and everything was taken out. All the equipment, furniture, the phone lines were cut, the internet lines were cut. Everything was gone. And we ended up in this old storage area that they used to have old merchandise and just crap. And we got a picnic table from outside that was still left. One picnic table. We still have that picnic table. And we brought it inside the storage area. And that's where we started working. No phones, no internet. We just used our, we just used our cell phones and started calling the community. Hey, we're here. We're going to make it fun. It's going to be about a circus. We're going to make it so exciting. We called everybody. And what happened? Crickets. They could care less. They're like, we had professional baseball. Who are you guys? What even is college summer baseball? We're not interested. It got so bad that first month, our total sales, total, was $1,200. We had six full-time employees, health insurance. These were our people that my wife and I had to take care of. I mean, literally right out of college. We couldn't do it. Next month, sales didn't get any better. Next month, didn't get any better. We announced we were going to do all-you-can-eat tickets. Literally the first team in the country. All your tickets include burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, cookies, everything for $15 a ticket. It's literally the best deal in the world. People could care less. Hmm. It got to a point in January, my wife and I are at my college roommate's wedding, 4.45 on a Friday afternoon. We get a call from our employee said, we just overdrafted our account. We have no more money left. And my wife and I went to, that, went to the wedding and we drove back. She turned to me and said, we have no other option. We have to sell our house. So we sold our dream house. We emptied our savings account, put it in the team, and we found this, uh, to say fixer-upper in Savannah would be an understatement. Let, let's put it this way. My wife and I, we walked in there, and as soon as I walked in, I walked immediately out, and I said, nope, no, no. There's no way, nope, no. So we bought that, and we ended up, we ended up moving in, and it was a duplex, and the other side, there was a tenant in there for already like next four months. So we were in this tiny one bedroom that's about the size of my office here. And we got an air bed. Uh, you couldn't even, it was the grossest place ever. And literally we had to figure out how to shop for $30 a week. And we would go grocery shopping on $30 a week. And the food that you can get for $30 is, it's not even food. It's not even edible. I mean, we had our ramen noodles, we had our hot pockets, but then there was just crap. For it. it was tough. And my wife tells a story about how there were cockroaches on my head in the middle of the night. There were ants. I mean, it was a challenge. But what had happened for five months, we told everyone what we we're gonna do but we didn't create attention. So people didn't care. And it got so bad, there was no revenue. We were almost down to our last savings that we put in. And then on February 25th, 2016, we announced the team name. And we had a lot of options. We could have gone with you know, animals like you know, the seagulls or you know, the spirits, or we could have gone with any of these generic names. We said, nope, 
our brand is fun, wild, different, and crazy. We're going to be the first team ever named after a fruit. And not only did we do that, we said we're going to go all in. You know, opening night, our players are going to be wearing green jerseys because the bananas aren't ripe yet. You know, we're going to have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. Our mascot's going to be called Split. We're going to have a promotion where the top deck, we throw bananas off the top deck and people catch them in their pants and it's called Banana in the Pants. I mean, we thought of all the craziest things we could do. And we're like, this is who we are. We announced it on February 25th and all of a sudden it went crazy. It was number one trending on Twitter ahead of Donald Trump that night. Merchandise started selling from all over the, all over the world, which we had $6 shipping. So shipping a t-shirt to New Zealand cost us $60 and we were getting six. So we had made a lot, a lot of mistakes. And it was crazy. Nationally, everyone was talking about us. We were on ESPN for 15 minutes the next day. You know, BuzzFeed, Yahoo, front page of Sporting News, all of that was reaching out. But what happened locally, we were crucified. Literally, all the local people were saying, you guys should be thrown out of town. The owners are a disgrace. You're an embarrassment to Savannah. You will never sell a ticket. I didn't sleep again that second night because it was so, we were hurt so hard. I mean, it was unbelievable. But what had happened, which I didn't realize, if you're not getting criticized, you're playing it too safe. And we got criticized like crazy, but everyone was talking about us. So what happened? They got into our funnel and they realized, you know what? These guys are fun. They are about a circus. And what happened? We started selling tickets like crazy. We sold out seven of our first eight games and the team became a national hit. And it was that point, that struggle, that creating attention and getting a little, getting criticized that opened up our whole world and changed everything. Wow. Just wow. What a great story. Startup Nation, listen to what Jesse said. If you're not getting criticized, you're playing too small. Wow. Man, you know, the feelings that must have gone through you, I could only speculate, right? Here you are getting national attention, probably high-fiving your wife, and she's hugging you and going, I think we, we just did it. This is it. This is the beginning. I told you. I told you it's going to work. This is why we put the house up for sale. This is why cockroaches are running over your face while you're sleeping. This is it. And then your local community betrays you. <laughs> well, they betray us. They had a right. They ripped us apart and they had a right because they, they were like, this is not normal. This is different. It's different. You know, it's different. What, and people, people what were the feelings going through you in that moment, Jesse, as your local community isn't getting your heart, isn't getting your intention, isn't getting where you're going. What were the voices inside your head at that oh, moment? Oh, jeez. You know, I think that, that same thing I've always gone through. And one of my biggest challenges is to not, you know, care too much what people think. And when you're getting criticized, to be able to just look past and say, you know what, you know, we're doing something right because people are talking about it. So in my head, I was struggling, man. My wife will tell you, she was like, Jesse, this is good. This is good. We're doing the right things. I was like, I hate because we want to be loved. You know, everyone wants to be loved. You want to do the right things. And I was like, nationally, everyone's talking about us. But locally, where we live, our community, people are ripping us apart. And it was tough. And we had to keep going out there and saying, you know what, this is who we are. And this is why we believe in what we're doing. And it forced us to be even more authentic. It forced me even, you know, listen, this is me. I'm going to wear this yellow tuxedo because we are about fun. We're about the circus. We are, I'm a showman. That's what we're trying to create. And if you don't like it, forget it. There were season ticket holders of the former team, and only a few because they didn't have many ticket holders, that said, I'm not going to go to the games because you guys are too much about the circus. You're the bananas. And that's fine. But what happened? We reached a whole audience that would have never gone to a baseball game. And now literally going into the 2018 season, there's a wait list in the thousands to buy tickets to a college summer baseball team. We have scalpers outside our games selling tickets for two to three times face value for a college summer baseball team. It was because we were able to take the risk. 
You know, my, my favorite behind me in the office, I've got Walt Disney. And, it, and my favorite quote from him is, you know, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And very few people, especially when they're starting that first 100K, they don't have the, you know, the, the, the courage to try something new and to, to get out there and be crazy. You got to be crazy. And that was some of the best advice I received when I was younger. It was like, you know, be crazy, be you, be different. Don't try to be like everyone else. What if it doesn't work? That's the fear, right? That's the fear inside all of us. What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? Then I lost my reputation too. But the best lesson I've learned is you need to start looking at failure as discovery. Once you can look at failure as discovery, you, your, your whole perception changes. People look at failure as that's going to be the judge of you. When, when I always, my book opens with my eulogy, literally my eulogy and how I want to be remembered. And when you go back and you're in your deathbed, and you're looking back, you're not going to regret the things you did. You're going to regret the things you didn't do. And those failures is what made you. I'm so glad my wife and I slept on an airbed. And but the fun, fun story about that, the first airbed we got was a, a, a single, was a tiny one. So imagine my wife and I two months into marriage just trying to fit on this tiny airbed. I mean, I was on, on the ground. You know, those stories is what makes you. It makes you who you are. If you have success your whole time, you don't ever fail, man, that's not a fun life. I tell everyone, what's your story? When you go back and you tell your story to your grandkids or whatever, is your story interesting? Do people want to share with other people? They don't share all the successes. They share the failures that led you to success. So I look at failure dramatically different. I'm ready to fail again. I haven't failed in two years and it scares me right now. Why aren't we failing right now? It's a different way of looking at it. It sounds to me like your wife has played a significant role <laughs> in building you up into the man that you are that has achieved these successes, how would your life be different without having that person in your life that literally two months into marriage is willing to sell the dream home to pursue your dream, um, to sleep on a single air mattress with cockroaches? How has that made a difference in your life? You know, you're going to get me emotional right now. And that's fine. <laughs> I think, everything in life comes down to clarity of purpose. And my wife understood, understands why she lives and why she does things. And just to give background on her, she came from a family up in a small town in New York. She was the oldest uh, sister. She had, she had uh, three younger brothers. Her parents did whatever they kind of make odds me, uh, you know, it, to be successful, but it was tough. They didn't have a lot of money. I mean, they've never even saved a couple thousand dollars, her parents. And her mother sacrificed everything to take care of the kids and raise them to be the most amazing kids ever. Everything. I mean, they sacrificed their whole life. And Emily learned that as a kid, she had to sacrifice everything to take care of her brothers. And that's been whole her purpose is to take care of other people. And we built our company and the whole company is called Fans First Entertainment. And our biggest fans are our people, are our young people who put their whole lives into working for their team. Emily will sacrifice herself for them at every chance she gets. This past August, when we found out we were having our first baby and I looked in Emily's eyes and she was bawling her eyes out, I've never seen a deeper sense of purpose than looking in her eyes and seeing that because I knew she had the opportunity to now take care of someone else and sacrifice her life for our kid. Knowing that she does that, she does that with me. She sacrifices everything, her happiness, her success for me, for her family, for our staff, for our team. Everyone says I'm the luckiest guy because of the person I met. I can't imagine accomplishing, achieving, or making any type of impact without having her by my side. 
And every day I realize that, and we understand her purpose is to always take care of people, sacrifice herself and be there and be support. And I understand my purpose is to make a difference in people's lives, to inspire people, to make an impact. We work so well together because we understand what we're trying to do. So people can't accomplish the goals they have if they don't have the support and encouragement, especially of a spouse. And Emily has been everything for me. Powerful stuff. Thank you for going there. So we clearly get Emily's superpower. <laughs> How would you articulate if you were to expand? You touched on it, but expand a little more. What is your superpower, Jesse? The one thing that you're the best in the world at that you cannot outsource. It is who you are. It is what you do. It's the gift you've been given. Mm -hmm. What's your superpower? I say this in my eulogy, which I wrote, and I, I believe I'm going to have the impact to inspire millions of people to stand out, to think differently, to challenge the status quo. So I think my superpower is the ability to be all in on myself and bring energy and confidence and life to people that can get them to go up and act and make something in their life. When I look back on my life, I want to hope that I can impact a thousand, a million, however many people that actually changed their life and did something because of the energy and who they were not trying to be someone else. So if I were to say my superpower, you know, I think what my, my staff would say it here. I think it's the energy I bring into inspiring people to make a difference. Got it. It's very clear. Let's change course. Describe <laughs> the biggest fail, mistake, or setback that you had your first 12 months in business. It's tough. Until two years ago, I never looked back and said, you know what? I've had some huge failures. I never had, because again, I was just learning. You know, when I first started as a 23 year old in this business, I was trying everything. You know, I love, my favorite quote is from Will Ferrell when he gave a commencement speech. I always say the brilliant philosopher, Will Ferrell, but he said, keep throwing darts at the dartboard, you'll eventually hit the bullseye. And I've tried that with everything. When I first started, I was trying so many different things. We had lots of mistakes. I mean, flatulence fun night at the ballpark did not work that well, all right? Salute to underwear night did not work that well. When we did the world's largest tickets, literally tickets the size of a poster, and we thought this would be cool, our fans hated them. They're like, they don't fit in my pockets. They don't fit in my purse. They hated them. So we've done so many small mistakes, but I think that's how you learn you know, what you're about and all in. You take those small bets. So I didn't have any giant failure the first 12 months. It's just... I didn't know what was best. So I was trying everything. And I think now when you look at your entrepreneurs, the people you're talking to, they're building their business right now. I'm building now my speaking business and my writing business and all that. And I'm trying everything. I post things every day. I don't know what works, but the reality is it's like, you always say, if you could look back 10 years ago, what would you do differently? It's the learning, it's the experiences, it's the trying new things. That's what gives you life. If I knew the exact answer on how to be a multi-billionaire right now, that wouldn't be fun. You know, it's like, all right, great. You have like, for me, money doesn't matter. For our teams, we don't even talk about money. We talk about impact we make on people's lives. You can't make an impact unless you learn it yourself. So I'm going to do lots of little failures. And, you know, again, I don't know what that big failure is, but I always just say, keep trying things, experiment, experiment in your life. That's, that's a big model. That's kind of what I talk about in the book. I get it. So what would you say was the number one fear holding you back that first year from, really becoming the man you are today and getting the successes that you currently have. We all have fear. What was the number one fear holding you back, Jesse? 
I learned this. I went to a Tony Robbins uh, seminar recently and people have all their opinions about Tony Robbins, but I'll tell you, he's, there's a reason why he's as good as he, what he does because he gets people to act. He gets them out of their zone of just listening to his speech. Have you been able to see Tony Robbins before? I have not live, but uh, yeah. I'm friends with his son and yeah. Yeah. I, I went familiar. to, I went to a live and I was blown away. I, I was standing there at the end and I was like, wow, you know, that's the whole thing. That's, that's me. That's the problem. That's the challenge I've had it was validation. You know, maybe that, you know, I talked about that as a kid growing up, I just needed that validation. So I think the biggest fear that I have when I was starting out was, are people happy? Are people proud? Do they appreciate what I'm doing? Do they respect what I'm doing? It's that validation of others. And it's still a challenge that I go through. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through, you know, it's that fear of trying to be liked by everyone else, of being accepted by everyone else, of being applauded by everyone else. Um, it's a driver. I think it can be motivating, but it can also be debilitating. And that was a fear that I've, I've always struggled with. Gotcha. What do you see it holding you back right now? <laughs> I don't pound through certain things. So give an example. If I, if I put something out there, if I say something and people say, I didn't like that, I might just change paths. I may pivot instead of necessarily, you know what? Go through that. You believe in that. It's who you are. Don't change it. You know, I mean, today I wear a yellow tuxedo every single day in the office. You know what? It's my uniform. It's like, I used to play baseball. This is means a showtime for me. When you saw that picture on Facebook, when I wasn't in it, I was probably relaxed at home on a Sunday. All right. It's not showtime for me. So, but I know when I go to, uh, uh, you know, to speak in front of a group or whatever, or if I'm sitting in the audience, they're like, who does this guy think he is? He's trying to be someone else other than himself. And that's not the truth. This is me. It's game time. It's showtime for me. So, you know, I still have that. It's holding me back because I'm afraid sometimes to, you know, to be that guy, this is me, this is who I'm going to be. And I think you had a great guest, Greg Walker, who's like, he talked about wearing the baseball cap. He was, he went to all these speaking appearances and they're like, you can't wear a baseball cap. He goes, well, you know what? That's me. I feel good in it. I'm going to do it. And it took him a long time to get over that. At this point, finally, I'm over that. Hey, this is what you get. I'm the yellow tux guy. I'm going to wear the yellow tux. I'm not telling you to wear it, but I'm telling you, this is what I've been able to find. This is who I am and like it or don't like it, but this is what you're going to get. Jesse, I love it. You're one of the few guys ever I've seen pull off a yellow tuxedo. <laughs> well, I appreciate the compliment. I don't know what pulling it off actually means. Uh, the fact that I'm wearing it is, I'm, I think I'm the only returning customer at brightcoloredtuxedos.com. Like literally the only returning customer. So, love it. What was the best business advice you received so far? Uh, big reader. I, I read about a hundred books a year. Um, we have a better book club in our office. We actually pay our employees to read. And that's a big thing. We care so much about our culture. So reading and learning is huge. The best advice I've received, I get asked this question a lot and it's very easy to say, you know, to give a quote or say this thing or say that thing. The best advice I ever received was a lesson I learned from my father. And it wasn't something he necessarily said to me. It was something that he did. And my dad's always given great advice. My dad's been, Jesse, swing hard in case you hit it. Like as a kid, I was always the kid swinging so hard. And he's, you know, he always said, hey, work hard. The money will take care of itself. He's given me so many great pieces of knowledge. But it was when I found out a few years ago, uh, I was going to the ballpark and I got a phone call from him. And he goes, Jesse, everything's fine. Just want to let you know, you know, I have cancer. And my dad is the closest. I mean, me and him are like this. I dedicated my book to him. I mean, that's everything. And I was devastated. He goes, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Just let you know I have cancer. So I went up and he had prostate cancer. I went up to get surgery and I could tell something was wrong. And he went in to get the MRI and he comes out. He goes, they found out I have another form of cancer. And they had the size of a pear outside of his liver, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And they had to act on that immediately. 
And for the next year, I watched my dad and I talked to him and I wasn't always there because I was down here in Charlotte. He was up or Charlotte and Savannah. He was in Boston. I called him every day and I still call him every day to this point. And I'd say, dad, how are you doing? And he goes, Jesse, I'm great. I'm great. Every day. Dad, how you doing? I'm great, Jesse. I'm great. Just, you know, six more months. I'm going to get through this. I'm great. Every day. And then one day I called them and I said, dad, how you doing? He goes, I'm good. And I, and I called my stepmother and I said, but she's like, he's been, they gave him the hardest level of chemo ever. It almost killed him. He still said he was good. Mm. A month later, two months later, they knocked out all the cancer. He went into remission and I watched and I listened to some of the doctors. They said, they said, they've never seen someone so positive as my dad ever. They said, your dad's positivity beat the cancer. That's what happened. So when you talk about best advice that I've ever received, it's the way my dad lives. It's the actions. It's how he does things. It's how positive he is. If he went through that and people go through things like that every day, how can you ever not be positive? And so for me, every day I try to live that and live like my dad would be and be positive and optimistic. And that's the way you need to live life. That's the best advice I've ever received. Jesse, that's great advice. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say what maybe you haven't heard yet is that the way you're living, the way you're showing up right here on this interview with my audience, you're making your dad proud. Thanks, man. You're living like your dad, right? <laughs> you yeah. are that positivity. Mm -hmm. um, the very thing that you admire about your dad is the very gift that he's given to you, that you're honoring, you're mm -hmm. living with, and you're your dad's already proud of you and I Thank hope you, you get that. So, Thank you. and it makes, you know, it's a great, it makes you not fear things anymore. You know, I know right. hereditary, I, I know the chance of me getting cancer is very strong, but when you watch your father go through it and this positivity that eliminated so much fear for me when you can see someone so close to you. So it's amazing when you just look at things on a positive lens, your fear kind of goes away. Yeah, it does changes everything. So share with us one of your daily habits that helps you helped you to get to where you are today. 100%. I love this. And it's a great question. I believe you can go through life either passively or you can go life through actively, or you can be on the offense or you can be on the defense. And a lot of people go through the life going through the motions and they wait for things to happen to them to make them happy. I start my day on purpose. And this has been one of the best things I've done. I learned this from Hal Elrod who wrote the miracle morning. It impacted my life. I get up. I haven't woken up with an alarm since college. I get up at 5.00 AM. First thing I do is I get up, I have water, I read, I actually walk read. So I, I walk around the house or outside reading. Then immediately I go for a run between three to five miles, sometimes longer while listening to podcasts to learn. Then I finish that and I write. And then when I'm done with that, I write a thank you letter or a review or something about someone else to thank them. I start my day with gratitude. At that point at 7 a.m., 7.30, I'm primed for the day. I've already won the day. I have energy that I'm ready to take off and impact other people. So few people start their day on purpose. They start their day with someone else's agenda. They wake up, they look at the phone, they read emails, they see social media, they watch the news, which is unbelievably negative. Start the day on purpose and win the morning, you win the day. And that's been the biggest adjustment I've done in my life probably the last four or five years. It's changed everything. How you start your morning, how you're primed for the day, the energy that you bring, that's how you win. Got it. How do you get, how do you stay consistent when you start that new habit? Right, because habits are really hard to create stickiness with. How did, how did you do it? You got to understand where you're trying to go with it. So I don't like quitting. I hate quitting. I have a fear of it. Um, in 2016, I started the thank you experiment. I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a thank you letter every single day. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. 
I literally, after about a month, I've had my teachers, my, you know, my best friends, authors, and I was like, who am I going to start writing? But then I started going around every day looking for ways to find gratitude. You know, someone that did something nice, even like a pizza delivery person that was unbelievably happy. I found all the different ways. And once I got into and started understanding the impact of what I'm doing, the habit, it was, it was easy to get over it. You know, you just have to get used to literally doing it every day and understand why you're doing it. If you're just doing something because you're like, someone told you it's going to be a good idea, you have to feel it. So what happened for me after I started writing those thank you letters, I'll never forget, uh, my, my uh, high school teacher wrote me a three-page handwritten letter back about the impact that letter meant to her. That mm. changed her life. And then I'll never forget, I was driving down to go to lunch, and I get an unknown phone number, and I pull up the phone, and I say, hello, this is Jesse. Jesse, this is Simon Sinek here. And I go, shut up, who is this? And he goes, Jesse, it's Simon Sinek. And if you haven't heard of Simon Sinek, the, the TED Talk, How Great Leaders Inspire Action, one of my biggest mentors. And I go, Simon, wow. He goes, I just want to call you and thank you for your thank you letter. I go, Simon, I'm thanking you. And he goes, you have no idea how much your thank you letter meant to me. He goes, I live my life to try to inspire others to live inspired lives. And you inspired me. When I see some of this person that's impacting millions of people tell that to me, a kid at that point, just sending him a thank you letter, it made it easy for me to understand my purpose and why I was writing that thank you letter every single day. So when you understand your why, as Simon would say, it makes every habit much easier. Well said. What's your favorite website, app, or digital resource and why? Um, this is easy for me. It's, it's Evernote uh, because if I, ideas are everything. Uh, a few years ago, I learned about an idea box and we set this up in our office and literally we believe ideas are currencies. If you have ideas, you win. So we put all our ideas in there. We have idea palooza where our whole staff talks about crazy ideas. For me, I have everything in Evernote. Uh, I think I'm up to like 1100 notes and my wife laughs. She's like, how many notes did you put in today? I'm like nine, but they were good. They were good. They were good notes. Uh, so that's simple, but you know, how can you keep track of the ideas that you have? Because ideas is what matters in everything. And especially as you're trying to stand out with your business and you're starting up the first 100K, it's ideas that will take you to the next level. Don't ever lose those ideas. Have some place you can keep them that are safe. And I love how Evernote syncs everything and I get my ideas wherever I need them. Okay, so there's uh, something showing up for me right now in this conversation that I think we're missing and I don't want to skip it. How, okay, so you got a great idea, right? So uh, one of my listeners has a great idea right now. And it's just building inside of them. They're like, I know this is the idea. How do you get attention with that idea? What do you use to get it out there? Right? Cause it's easy to say, I got an idea and I idea idea, but it's all in the execution. How, and you're like, no, it's not just execution. It's also attention. You gotta get attention. How do you get attention? What would you recommend to that listener right now? And, and, I'll, and I'll give your listeners a free, on my website, findyouryellowtux.com, I'll give the six uh, tips, the Yellow Tux playbook on how to stand out. And some of this is in there, how to stand out. So one, one practical tip I'll give you right now is think like a reporter. So think like a reporter and don't think just locally. When we announce something, we think, and we'll actually write a press release. We learned this from Amazon. They write a press release for the future press release and whether that'll be covered, what the impact of that product announcement does. So we'll think like a reporter. So if you have an idea, all right, will people care about that idea or do you just care about that idea? If you announce that idea, would a reporter cover and do a story on that? So we think about the media all the time. That's what attention is. Attention isn't just you in your office and a customer down the road. Attention is whether someone will, like MSNBC, they flew down 
from New York City and did a three-day feature on the bananas because what we were doing was so different, was so outrageous. You know, what even the producer said, it's like a circus. She said, it's like a baseball game and a circus breaks out. That's how we create that. So your idea, write it down. Would people care about enough to share it? Even, even go small thing, not just think like a reporter. If you put that out on social media, will people share it? Does it, is it different? Is it unique? Does it provide value? That's where we start. Got it. Very cool. Thanks for that. And again, what's the website where they can go and get those six steps? Sure. Find your yellow findyouryellowtux.com and it is the secrets of the yellow tux playbook the six tips to stand out right now awesome and jesse as you know we're running over a little here so we're going to wrap this up and i do this only with guests who i really think are sharing amazing value uh, to our audience so thanks for doing that today what's the one thing that you want the world to know about being successful in business be patient in what you want for yourself but being patient in how much you give to others. Hmm. I get that. That's awesome. All right. So Jesse, welcome to the hustle round. This is my favorite part of the show. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. What's your favorite sound? Laughter. What's your least favorite sound? Uh, nails on the chalkboard. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Professional baseball player for the Boston Red Sox. Jesse, what are you most afraid of? Settling. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? <laughs> uh, first year of business in Gastonia, uh, thinking about crazy promotions nonstop. That's all I was doing. What secret fear do you have about people? Secret fear about people. Um, that people don't care enough to make a difference. Mm, got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? <laughs> to create attention, to stand out right away, to be different. I think that took a few years of trying things to realize what works. So yeah, again, just be the only. Got it. What is a new habit you want to form? Mm. New habit that I want to form. I'd like to learn to, to some music. I want to learn how to create. I love creating videos, creating shows. I'd love to learn some music, whether it's playing guitar or something. I know I can't sing, but something along those lines. Yeah, I think I want to see like a music video with you and your yellow tux for some uh, reason. Actually, I will challenge you there. Go to uh, Savannah Bananas. We did a music video, Can't Stop the Peeling. Can't Stop the Peeling. And now that's what I call bananas. So two music videos, over 100,000 views on Facebook. We do have music videos and I'm in it. Love it. Love it. What is a bad habit you want to break? Uh, bad habit. Um, being in my own bubble. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Ooh. Uh, enthusiastic, hungry, passionate. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Eager self-absorbed, um, naive. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. <laughs> and as I mentioned, I wrote my eulogy to start my book. Um, again, I say, Jesse Cole was able to inspire millions to think differently, stand out, challenge the status quo, and live the life of their dreams. Awesome. 
And Jesse, last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends and loved ones only one piece of advice, <laughs> what would you say to them? Have fun. Simple. Have, have fun. Have more fun in life. So have fun with an exclamation point, right? <laughs> you got it. Throw three exclamation points on top. Fantastic. And Jesse, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, definitely. You can check out the Savannah Bananas, but uh, for my stuff, speaking, book, findyouryellowtux.com. And I'm on Facebook, Jesse Cole, the Yellow Tux Guy. And really reach out. I challenge everyone. I think so few people ask enough questions and reach out to things. I'll, I'll never remember, I'll never forget a few years ago, I shot an email to Mark Cuban in the middle of the night. Within a few hours, he wrote back, people are willing to help others. Don't be afraid to ask. So How I asked- What's How do you get email addresses and contact information of guys at that level? <laughs> well, What's again, his was, his was on the back of his book. You, you know, his yeah. was on the back of his book. And I put mine in my book too. Like jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Shoot me an email. If you have questions, I love helping other people. And the people that are successful, they care about helping others more than actually helping themselves sometimes. So I challenge people to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Got it. Okay. And where can uh, everyone find your new book that launches uh, January 9th? Yep. Right on Amazon and uh, yep, Amazon's find your yellow tux, how to be successful by standing out. Uh, we're actually recording some infomercials for it. We're going to do some really wild things. Uh, again, think attention. So we're going to try to think of ways how to create attention with the book. And I think it's a great practical guide for you and how you can stand out in your life and stand out in business. So thank you for the plug. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesse, take 30 seconds, an additional plug here, 30 seconds. Tell my audience exactly how they're going to benefit by buying your book. <laughs> Most people at some point in their life, in their business, they're stuck. They're living the nine to five. They're stuck in traffic. They're watching the clock. This book will teach you and actually give a play-by-play -play on how you can actually have complete freedom in your job, in your life, and stand out. And like I said, have fun every day with your life. That's what this book's about. So if you're missing fun in your life, Startup Nation, Jesse is your guy. Pick up the book, findyouryellowtux.com. Jesse, thanks for joining us today. And I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Cheers. Thank you so much. You got it. Startup Nation, want to grow your business faster than you ever imagined? Head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll catch you on the next show. Peace.